Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Here's what we've been We've been going through the Gospel of Luke on our earth walk looking at the reality of Jesus Christ and, and hoping, hoping to broaden our concepts of who He is and what it is that He has for us. And today specifically, we, we've kind of looked through chapter 6 through 8 and saw that Jesus demands a response from people concerning who He is. Now we get to chapter 9 and Luke just kind of changes the direction a little bit. Because the reality is Jesus wants a response and people are inquiring as to who he is. So now he's going to change the direction. And as we get to chapter 9, he's going to send his disciples out to do something. He's going to give them an assignment. And from the assignment, we're actually going to see that it actually parallels the assignment that we've been given by Jesus. You know, Jesus has given us an assignment. It's the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all things whatsoever I've taught you. And the reality is, is what we see here, we're going to see some key concepts come out of this passage concerning the reality of what we are to do as he assigns those disciples what they're to do. But we're also going to see that there's some speculation about Jesus. And that kind of helps us a little bit to understand what our assignment is. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9 of this gospel and hopefully God will speak to our hearts. Then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Wherever you house, you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. We're going to divide this passage into two sections. First of all, we're going to see the task, which is really a task that you and I have, but we're going to see some implications there. And then we're going to see the questions about Jesus and kind of draw some conclusions from there as well. So let's notice, first of all, the task. We're going to see that, first of all, in verses 1 through 6. Notice with me verses 1 through 2. Notice what Jesus does here. He called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The first thing I want you to see is this. Jesus gave them authority to speak. He gave them authority to speak. 
Two things he's given them here. The first thing he's giving them is the authority to speak. So he says, guys, come together here. I'm going to send you out. And when you go out, I'm going to give you authority to proclaim. And here's what they're given authority to proclaim. They're given authority to proclaim the kingdom of God. They're given authority to proclaim the gospel, which is the good news. And we basically put those two together. They're given authority to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, what message are they bringing? Really, they're bringing the message that Jesus has given them. They're bringing the message about Him. Because when you talk about the kingdom of God, you're really talking about who, folks? Jesus. Because He's the head of the kingdom of God. And so what they were to do is, is they were to go out and proclaim that... Now, let me just stop for a minute, because that word kind of has a connotation to it, that we're supposed to stand on the street corners and shout... But really what they were to do is they were to go out and basically spread the word about who? Jesus. Spread the word about what he's been teaching. Spread the word about God and everything that Jesus was saying about him. Their task was to go out and he gave them the authority to speak and to share what it is he's been sharing. You know, you and I have been given that same authority. Listen here, here's the thing. Some of you... Maybe you don't grasp the reality of this, but I want you to hear me out. We've been given the same authority. You say, what do you mean, given the same authority? Well, go with me over to Acts chapter 1. The disciples were asking, well, let me, let's go back, look at verse 6. They were asking a question which a lot of folks are fixated on today. Look what it says, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So, he's saying, God, are you, are you going to bring the kingdom? Is this it? Look at verse 7. And he said, It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So he's saying, Don't get fixated on this. There's something else I need you to do. Look at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's what he wants. This is the authority he's given him. You shall be what? Witnesses to me. Listen, folks. Our task is to talk to others about Jesus. Our task isn't to talk to others about Kerwinsville Christian Church. Our task is to talk to others about what? Jesus. And he gave them authority. So here, let me just stop for a moment. Some of you will not share with your friends. There's a lot of different reasons you might fear that they'll reject you. Some of you, one of the reasons why you, is that you think, I don't know enough. George, I don't have your education. You know, really, that's the cop-out. Because nobody's asking you to give a theological dissertation about what Jesus is or who Jesus is. They just want to know, what does Jesus mean to you? And what do you know about Jesus? And here's the point. He gives you authority to speak. He says, I want you to go and tell others about me. So he gives them authority to speak. See, you and I have been given authority to speak. Who best to talk about Jesus than those who what? Know about him or know him. So the first thing we see there is Jesus gave them authority to speak. Here's the other thing. He gave them power to serve. Look at verses 1 and 2. He called the twelve disciples and gave them power over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What's going on here? He's, He's empowering them to serve him, to serve others. See, and when we go back over to Acts, again, Luke is writing Acts, Acts chapter 1. 
what? When the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Folks, that's already taken place, what? At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And if you are a believer here, the greatest empowerment you have is the Holy Spirit who lives with you. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. Let's go, let's go sailing through the Bible for a moment. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to talk about that empowerment because some of you say, well, you know, I'd like to, George, I'd like to share, but and I'd like to serve, I'd like to do something, I'd like to be used of God, but I don't know that I can, I don't have the resources, I don't, I don't know that I can do this. I want you to look with me. Verse 3. As His divine power, who's that? The Holy Spirit, has given us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by His glory and virtue. What's he saying here? The Holy Spirit, the empowerment, that divine power he's talking about here, has given you and I, what? All things, for what? That pertain to life and godliness. He's strengthened you. He's empowered you to serve Him. He's given you everything you need to serve Him. Now, let's stop for a moment. So He's given me the authority. He's given me the power. To fulfill his task. That's what he was doing to these guys. He says, guys, I'm giving you the power and I'm giving you the authority. Go proclaim the gospel and you serve in my name. Do you see what's going on there? But here's what else he's going. Look with me at verse 3 and 4. There's something else going on here that we need to grasp. Verse 3 and 4, he tells them what their resources are going to be. So notice what he says to them as he sends them out. Take nothing for the journey... Neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. The next thing I want you to see is is that they were to trust God for their needs. How many of you ever sent somebody on a journey? You know, like Lori sends me out to the grocery store, so she'll, she'll, she'll maybe give me some cash, and then she'll give me a grocery list, and it might have three or four items. Now, the big joke in my house is I go with that list, and I only bring back three. I forget to get the fourth. Don't ask me what's going on. Maybe I get distracted at the grocery store. I don't know what. Maybe I can't see. That's why I got glasses now, these reading glasses. But I forget. But when you and I go on a trip, we usually prepare for a trip. If you know you're going away, you've got some clothes, you've got your change of underwear. I mean, and you're, you're ready. You've got money to go with you. Now, Jesus sends these guys out. He says, don't take any money with you. Don't take any food with you. When he talks about not having two tunics, that's basically a change of clothes, folks. Don't even take that. Just when you enter into a home, they're going to take care of you. And you stay there until it's time for you to leave. That's what he's telling them to do. Now, what is he doing? He's forcing them to trust in who for their needs? God. He's forcing them to trust in their provision from who? God. He's forcing them not to look to themselves and their own resources and their own abilities and even who they know, because they're going to cities that they don't know about, because they've got to trust for one person alone to take care of them. Who's that? God. Do you understand? Here's the problem today. The problem today, when it comes to us fulfilling the assignment that Jesus gives to us, we look at several things. First of all, we stop and we think for a moment, hmm. Do I got the brain power to do that? I don't think so. How big's my wallet? How much is in my bank account? That's the number two or number one question we ask. Is do I have the resources? And when we talk about it, do I have the shekels? 
Do I have the dollars to do it? The other thing is, is we look at this. Do I have the what? Time. Time. What is it that you are squashing God from allowing you to do? Because you look at it and you say, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have the brain power, therefore I should just sit and be a pew potato. No. God wants to use you. And even though you may not have it, that's actually the best place to be because what he's saying then is what? You trust me and I'll use you because I'll get the glory. That's what he's saying to each of us. And so he's calling them to trust God for their needs. The next thing he points out to them, look with me at verse 5 and 6. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust of your feet as a testimony against him. And so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The final thing I want you to see is that Jesus tells them in the task of this, and this is an important point. Hearts will be revealed through their reactions. You know, all of us here have a desire to share with others about Jesus. We want people to know the same Jesus that we know. We want people to experience the same forgiveness that we've experienced. We want people to come to know him. Is that not right? Right, folks? But I know how it is. The reality of it is is that when we share with others and they don't react in a positive manner, when they reject or mock, when they ridicule, when they make fun of, even though we have that desire to share, we won't share. Because we don't like the reactions. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says to these guys right off the bat, guys, you're going to go to these towns, you're going to proclaim the gospel, you stay in the homes that are going to take care of you, but there are going to be some places where the folks aren't going to accept you. There are going to be some places where they will reject you because they don't like what you're saying. And when you come to a place like that, you you don't fuss with them, you don't argue with them, you just shake the dust off your feet and you move on to somewhere else. Wow, there's a powerful truth there, folks. The powerful truth is this. We are to share, but if we get rejected, don't get in a fight with them. Don't try to argue with them. You just move on. You just move on because there might be somebody else who will listen to you. You understand? Because here's the thing. Their heart and where they're really at is going to be revealed by how they what? React to you. That's really where it's at. What happens is, is you nearly need to, what was going on is it revealed where they were at, and let's be honest, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that our gospel is not veiled, Second Corinthians chapter 4, but what? It is hidden because the God of this world is what? Blinded their eyes. Their eyes are blind. So no amount of arguing is going to change it. And really what it's doing is when they reject, you're just seeing where their heart is. So what do I do? I just pray for them and move on and talk to somebody else. That's reality. See, that's the task. I've been given what? The authority? They've been given the authority to what? Speak. I've been empowered to what? To serve. I'm to rely upon God for my needs as I go about doing what He tells me to do. But I also realize that when I do what I'm supposed to do, when I share what I'm supposed to share, that if there's a reaction, that really reveals where people are at. And that's what we've got to understand. Our task is to share if they react, we move on and share somewhere else. 
But I want you to notice something there. As the passage also goes on, it's very interesting. Luke makes a slight deviation again. He then goes over in verses 7 and 9. And I, why do I say I know it's a deviation? Because when you get to verse 10, verse 10, we're not looking at it today. It says that when the disciples, when they returned, told them all that they had done. That's all one section there. So in the midst of the section of sending them out, he draws his attention to a palace somewhere in Israel where this king Herod, the Tetrarch, is reigning, and he wants to show us that there's some questions about who Jesus is. Again, people are asking questions about Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. First of all, number one, people from all walks of life struggle with Jesus. People from all walks of life struggle with Jesus. The first thing I want you to see there, notice what it says there. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed. Here's what's going on. Herod's there. I mean, he's basically a despot, a dictator. He's a puppet of Rome. He, ex- he exists in his, in his reign there because Rome has given him the authority to do so. And he's over an area, mostly Galilee and so forth, because Rome itself ruled Judea. So he's mostly over the Galilean area there. And so he's, he's heard about Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and all the stuff that Jesus is doing, and he's perplexed by it. He's got questions about it. Here's, here's a guy all the way up at the top of the totem pole as far as society, and he's got questions. Listen, folks, people all around us, they've got questions about Jesus. Period. doesn't matter what walk of life they are. People have got to wrestle with who Jesus is. First of all, Jesus demands a response from everyone, but the reality is is people are going to wrestle with him. Now, they go off in different tangents on their own trying to figure out who he is, but the fact remains is, this again ties in with the assignment, people have got questions about Jesus. But let's get back to what I said earlier. I said to you that when we share, we're not to just talk to them about Kerwinsville Christian Church, we're to talk to them about who, folks? Jesus. Because the reality is, the guy you work with probably couldn't care less about your church. But he's got questions about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. For years we've equated the two. If you want to talk about Jesus, we'll talk about church. But I'm going to be honest with you, most folks couldn't care less about church. But they've got questions about Jesus. They've heard things about Jesus. Or they've heard how Jesus changed somebody else's life. Or they've heard this, or they wonder why Jesus doesn't do that. They've got questions about Jesus. And so the reality is is that people from all walks of life struggle with him. So, number one, there is speculation about who Jesus is. Look at the speculation then. Look with me, verse 7 and 8. Because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Here's what the speculation was back then. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know how they were able to do it, because they grew up at the same time, but some were speculating that this Jesus now, because his ministry began to grow after John, is as, well, this is, the, this is John risen from the dead. Or this is some other old prophet from long ago, come back to life again. And so there's all this speculation about who Jesus is. It happens today, folks. There's all kinds of speculation about who Jesus is. In fact, the speculation today is is around the same lines. We're trying to equate it with what we know. And so a lot of Americans today, they kind of focus on, well, who is this Jesus? Is he is he one of these enlightened teachers from the East? Is he, is he, is he some, some kind of special guru or, or some kind of special this, that, or another? 
In fact, they even get to where they're ridiculing. He's just some pathetic figure from, from history who, who got himself crucified and got a group of people following him. And, they, and then they blew it up into something bigger than what it was. And if you listen to some of the media and if you watch some of the movies, like by Dan Brown, of course, he didn't die. He got married and to marry. And, uh, you know, of course, it's all a big conspiracy uh, propagated by the big church. So there's all kinds of speculation out there. Nothing has changed, folks. People still struggle with who he is, and there's all kinds of speculation about who he is. That's what Luke's trying to tell us here. Luke comes out and brings one more point here. And here's what I want you to see. Inquiries about Jesus may be selfish. This is an important point as we understand what the assignment is. As we understand that God has called us, he's given us the authority to speak, he's given us the power to serve, we're to trust in him, and the reaction to him reveals where hearts are at. One other point he wants to make here is, is that sometimes people are interested in Jesus, but their motives and their interests are wrong. Because what you're going to see here is here's King Herod. He's interested in Jesus, but he's not interested in Jesus because he's really interested in what Jesus has to say, or he's really interested in who Jesus is. He's interested in Jesus because he's heard about the miracles. And if you go all the way over, I believe it's chapter 21 in this gospel, when Jesus is sent by Pilate to go to King Herod, King Herod is excited, even though Jesus is now an arrested criminal, King Herod is excited that Jesus is coming to him, and the passage very clearly says, because he was hoping that Jesus could do some miracles for him. You see what his interest is? He's not interested in who Jesus is, he's interested in a show. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I see it all the time, even as a pastor. Folks will come to church, will come to Jesus, not because they realize and recognize who Jesus is and what he has for them as far as his being God and that he has died for them and has salvation for them and has given them a new whole way of life. They come to Jesus because they need Jesus' help through whatever crisis they're going through at the moment. And when the crisis is over or it doesn't turn out the way they think it should turn out, you don't see them anymore. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is what I'm telling you. Not everyone who's interested in Jesus is interested in Jesus for the right motives. They're interested in Jesus for what they can get out of him. And that's the perspective we need to understand as we go around and do the task he's given us to do. To what? To share and to serve. To share and to serve. That's the environment we live in. People from all walks of life, what? They got questions about him. People, what? They have speculations about who they is. They got all kinds of crazy thoughts about who he is. But the reality is, is not everybody has a pure motive. In fact, their motives might be selfish. That's what Luke's trying to tell us here. You say, okay, George, how do we, how do we bring that? There's a lot of different thoughts there. How do we bring this all together? Well, I'm going to wrap it up into three things for you to grasp today from this passage. Two of them we have been wrestling with anyhow, but I'm going to try to bring it together here, and here it is. Number one, have you come to grips with who Jesus is? You know, there's two groups of people here, and so the question is, is, is phrased in such a way that it has an implication that is specific for each group. So first of all, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, the reality is is you're going to have to come to grips with who he really is. He is who he says he is, or he's not. The reality is, is that he is either God who died for us on the cross in obedience to the Father and was raised from the dead, or he's not. 
And if he is who he is, and if he did what he did, then I have a decision to make about him. And so, if you're part of that first group and you're not a believer, you have a choice to make. You have to make a decision about him. And it's not, well, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that yet. It's either yes or no. And indecision is a no. And so the reality is, is that you've got to ask yourself the question, what are you going to do with him? Now, there is a second group here, and that's those of us who do know him, and it has a different implication for us. And so have you come to grips with the reality of who he is? And then, really, the second question, that's for us, recognize your task. Not a question, it's a statement. Recognize your task. Folks, listen to me. And let's remind ourselves of something. You have been given what? Authority to tell. You have been given what? Power to serve. Recognize your task. It's not my task, folks. My task is to proclaim to those around me, but also to what? Equip you for you to do what you need to do. Now, again, in your mind, you're thinking, well, oh my goodness, George is calling me to carry my Bible and to bash them over the head with it. No, I'm not. I'm not calling you to be a holy Jew at work. I mean, I know what it's like when I worked to have a Holy Joe work there. Drive you nuts. But what he's calling you to do is, is just live out your faith. Live out your life. And speak when opportunities are given. And they will be given. And all of us can do that. This is what God calls us to do. You've been given a task. Recognize your task. But that's going to require something else from us here, folks. It's going to require, what this is the third point here. You've got to embrace Jesus. Listen, if you're going to take serious your responsibility to tell others about Jesus, you've got to get serious about Jesus. He's got to be more than just the Sunday morning thing that we do. For some of you, that's it. For some of you here, I'm sad to say, Christianity is just that one hour, we come together, we hear good music, we hear some kind of a message from George, hope it's something that I can take home today. And that's it. And it's got to be more than that. Jesus has got to be more than just the one hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Jesus has to be a part of your life every day. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? I remember, man, I remember when I started dating Lori. You know, I was in seminary working there at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And people knew that all of a sudden I was sparking a girl. Do you know what I mean? When you start sparking somebody, something changes. I remember I was about this big, and all of a sudden I dropped 50 pounds in one summer. And it wasn't because I got health conscious. It's because of a gal. And, and, you, and, you know, when you are enthralled with somebody, people know it. You know what I'm talking about? Folks, we've got to get enthralled with Jesus. We've got to embrace Him. Because then you have a basis. Some people are like, man, what's gotten into you? You're different, Jesus. Man, you won't believe what He did for me this week. Jesus. But here's what happens, folks. If you go to church a long time, it becomes old hat. It's kind of like a marriage, isn't it? I need to remember sometimes how I was with her when I first married her. Before I got married to her. I mean, I would go to the moon for her. Now I'd be asking why. 
That's not right. Would you go to the moon for Jesus? Or do you ask why? We've got to embrace it, folks. We've got to embrace it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.